I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and this is episode 219 of the show. During this episode, I welcome Diamond Row of the Atlanta metal band Tetrarch. A lot of fun talking to her, but what a cluster fucking technology. Okay, Um, so let me set this up for you. The way that interviews are scheduled nowadays, most of the interviews are done via Skype or Zoom, or in my case, I usually use a platform called Restream. And I'm not just saying this, you know, I don't have any affiliates links or anything like that. Not at the moment anyway. But um, the issue that I have is that, all right, Restream has its quirks and whatnot. Like, for example, when I do the, The Signals from Mars live stream on Friday nights. The intro music sounds like shit to me and any of the people that are joining me. But when it goes out live to those watching, sounds fine. When I get the download of the audio, sounds fine. But while it's playing, I'm shaking my head the entire time thinking the person that's waiting to go live with me must be thinking what shit is this? <laughs> you know, It just sounds worse than what it actually sounds like. So um, when I had the chance to interview diamond, I was told only, only zoom, only zoom. Okay. Um, I had used zoom for the Tommy Clufetis interview and yeah, okay, it worked out. But then when I went back to listen to it, when I did the podcast version, it kind of didn't sound that great. Like the audio just did not sound good to me. Um, With the Diamond Row interview, I was done. And Zoom didn't record dick. Okay, not video, not audio, not anything. So luckily... Oh, I recorded this on my board because a few weeks back when I talked to Chris Aiken and and Matt Hartnett, I realized that for whatever reason, my system defaulted to my webcam and it sounded like crap. And I'm thinking to myself, I've got this kick-ass mic and it's using that sack of shit to, to essentially you know, record what I'm doing. And I apologize for all the, the cursing, but it just drives me crazy. So I did this interview with diamond row and zoom afterwards downloads the audio and the video. And it took like two seconds. I'm like, that can't be good. So I reach out to zoom and I say, Hey, um, I know I'm on your free plan. Was this recorded to the cloud anywhere? Is is there any place that this is in storage somewhere? Not even a response from them. 
a week later. Beyond frustrating. All right, I get it. They probably have a million and one people that reach out to them. But if their system is this crappy, then I, I get that. I get why it's happening. Um, I, I don't like Zoom because it installs crap on your computer and, and it monitors certain things that it shouldn't. You know, it's just a case of, of privacy or privacy for those listening from the UK. But yeah, so I don't know. It sucks. But I am glad that I, I was smart enough to run the backup. Um, it sucks because it was so cool to talk to Diamond and see her interaction with me and see, you know, her lighting up with certain questions or, or you know, smiling or, or laughing or, or whatever it was, you know, it was just kind of cool to see that reaction because you see her in the videos and she's all business in the videos. Let's, let's not be mistaken. Um, and with good reason, she is an excellent, excellent guitarist for everyone that just wants to pigeonhole this band as a retro new metal band. Listen to her solo because there's a lot more to this band than you know just throwing them into just a box with another subgenre there's things that they do that differentiate themselves from other other bands that are maybe classified in in the same group there's there's another band that is out there now i don't even know their name they keep popping up on youtube for me i guess because i've been watching these tetrarch videos and they just sound like corn. Nothing else. Nothing else going on. And I get it. Tetrarch has some corn influences. It's obvious when you listen to it. But one trick pony with this other band. It's like, seriously? Okay. I don't know. Just, I, I mean, I guess if they got signed and they're, you know, popping up on YouTube, they're doing something right. But, you know. Anyway, um... I just want to remind you guys to go to MarsAttacksRadio.com, kind of one-stop shopping deal for all of the links to my social media, link to uh, Signals from Mars, the live stream that I do on Friday nights. You can join me, chat with um, the rest of the diehards that are in there, throw questions out there for the invited guests if you so feel the need to do so. Um, the last live stream that we did was with uh, Sumo Psycho, which will be the next episode of the podcast. And there were different questions that were brought up and some of them I didn't think, you know, would be, would really lead to much, but um, some of them ended up being really cool. So I had a lot of fun with them. Um, also on the website, You'll find links to the newsletter where you can keep up with everything that I'm doing. Um, and you'll find links to the Patreon. Two bucks gets you in. You get a bonus podcast. You get, for example, today I'm on uploading an unboxing of an album. And we have a lot of, you know, we throw questions around. There are plenty of videos. We're curating a favorites of 2021 playlist and there's a, a lot of cool stuff going on there. It's a troll-free environment. I realize times are tough, but if you can spare the two bucks, join us. Uh, if not, just share the podcast. 
you know, comment on it, like it, uh, let your friends know about it. And, you know, all that helps. I appreciate any support you can throw my way when it comes to the podcast. So there you go. Um, this episode is going to be a little shorter than the last few because it's just the interview with Diamond. Um, for those that don't know, I am not including music just to stay on Spotify. I never got kicked off of Spotify. I come to find out, but I don't want to give them a reason to kick me off. So there you go. And I want to thank you guys for consistently over the last few weeks as I've started, you know, keeping up with statistics and stuff, seeing that when I release episodes, the Mars Attacks podcast is within the top 100 podcasts um, within the music genre when, when the episodes do come out. So uh, I appreciate that. Sure, I don't have the big name, but it's just nice to know that people are checking the shows out. Uh, just want to give a quick shout out to my patrons, uh, Mark Striegel, Brad Dahl, Chris Vaglio, Gabriel Ruiz, Steve Hoker, Jeremy Weltman, and Mike Jones. Thank you guys for your support. And um, that's pretty much it. We're going to jump on into this interview with Diamond Rowe from Tetrarch. If you like what you hear from her, check the band out on streaming, on any of the streaming platforms. And if you really, really like them, pick up the album. I did. And I really enjoy the album. And I purposely pursued the interview as a result. So thanks again for listening. And we'll leave you with the interview. One of the interesting things that stood out to me a few weeks ago, maybe it was even last week, I read an article where your name was thrown around with um, a prominent african-american or black musicians in metal um a lot of what you're doing now is unique in the fact that not only you know you are african-american but you're a female in a predominantly white dominated industry or genre i should say um do you feel that you're a pioneer of sorts or does that kind of come secondary to being a musician to you I mean, it's, it's secondary to being a musician to me because it's like, I'm very happy to have the role. Like I'm super honored and I'm like, I'm happy to be the one, you know? Right. Um, but it's super genuine to me because it's just something I started doing as a kid. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Mm -hmm. You know, I loved like my favorite guitar players were Kirk Hammond and Dimebag. And, oh, wow. You know, Slash. Like I wanted mm -hmm. to be like those guys and I didn't think of anything different. You know, I didn't think I was right. different. Nothing like that. I just wanted to be like those guys. Um, and it didn't become like a prevalent thing to me that I was like different until later on in our career when right. we just kept talking about it. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But it wasn't something that I was like was gimmicky or that I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to yeah. do this because I'll be different. So it's cool because it is very genuine to me. Like I would be doing this regardless, mm -hmm. but I'm very happy that, you know, I can inspire people along the way, you know? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Because that's interesting. A lot of people, 
probably don't realize something like that until you're in the thick of things. You know, a lot of times I ask people about, Hey, did you realize when you were writing this album, how important it was going to be? And it was like, uh, no, I realized that maybe, you know, after it came out or a few years later, or, you know, it's not something that initially is in your mind. You're focusing on playing your guitar and that, you know, that kind of just come, not comes creeping up on you, but it's not something that you were initially looking for right exactly it's definitely it wasn't something that like i even you know when we started we were 11 and 12 you know there's no way i'm gonna like <laughs> yeah. think of that at that age but you know as it as it became a thing like that's super cool and it's been i'm very you know i'm happy about it like you know i know a lot of like even just female musicians are like oh i hate people point out that i'm female but it doesn't bother me at all like i'm yeah. i look at it as like a blessing in disguise you know it's not um it's nothing that bothers me i'm very proud of it Oh, very cool. Um, it's interesting. Years ago, I got to interview Alexis Brown from um, Straight Line Stitch. Yeah. And for her, I talked to her about how she first got into metal and whatnot. And you're telling me right off the bat that Kirk Hammett and, and Slash and people like that and Dimebag influenced you like instantly. Um, for her, she talked about how it, there was kind of a divide with her because she really loved Aaliyah, but at the same time, she loved Jonathan Davis. And of course for her, you know, there were people in her family trying to push her more towards the R and B side, but there was something in her that wanted to go more towards the metal in her. Um, did you ever come upon anything like that? No, I mean, you know, when I was younger, like, obviously I liked, I was more into like pop and, you know, mm-hmm. hip hop and stuff like that, you know, before I reached the age of like 11, you know, as a kid. Right. Um, but when I got started getting into rock and metal and stuff, I just jumped all into that. It wasn't, I, you know, I like all kinds of music, you right. know what I'm saying? But no one was ever like pushing me in one direction or another. Like it was okay. just kind of, I always did what I wanted to do. Like I was very, like, very, I always was very like strong willed and everything. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was fine for me. I never felt like div- divided, but like I am an all or nothing type of person. So mm-hmm. when I got into like heavier music, it was, that's it. You know, that's <laughs> all I was about. You know? Cool. Awesome. Um, can you pinpoint the moment that made you want to pick up a, a guitar? Was a specific song? Was a specific solo? What, what did it for you? Honestly, I tell people all the time, I don't really remember. I, I know that when I got into rock, like I've always been the type of person, like I don't like to be like a bystander. So like right. I'm into something, I get into something, I want to do it. Like mm-hmm. no matter if when it was a kid, I liked motocross, I wanted to ride dirt bikes or like <laughs> hockey, I want to play hockey, like all sorts of stuff. I wanted to do it. I didn't want to just watch. So it was cool. the same with music. Um, when I got into the first rock band, like that segued me in was Nirvana. So like, okay. I remember when I started listening to them, I would only listen to Nirvana. And I just remember being in the car with my mom one day and just randomly being like, I want to play guitar. I really don't remember any thought before that. Mm-hmm. It could have very well taken place, but I don't remember. I just remember saying that and her being like, oh, OK. And like she <laughs> took me to like a shop and we got le- I got lessons and bought like a, she bought me like a cheap Telecaster knockoff. Right. And that was it. But I don't remember like contemplating it or anything. It was just, I remember being in the car, listening to rock radio and just being like, I want to play guitar. That's it. What influenced you to start playing Les Paul? Um, so 
I had like the Telecaster knockoff, and then after that, I got a BC Rich like Warlock or something. Right. Like that. Okay. Um, but you know, it was like a my third like when I was thirteen, it was Christmas, and like I knew I wanted another guitar, and I think it was like between like a Gibson or like a PRS or something like that. Mm-hmm. And my parents like just kind of let me pick, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, I want a, le- I think, I didn't think I would, they would get me a Gibson. So I was like, oh, I want an Epiphone Les Paul or something <laughs> like that, you know? Right. And so they were like, okay, that's fine. And, you know, when I opened the box and everything, they got me like a Gibson Les Paul standard for Christmas. Um, and I started playing that, you know, I played that Les Paul for years. Like that was my main guitar for years and years. So then when I joined DSP, it was just really natural for me to go to the Eclipse shape, right. which, you know, is the Les Paul shape essentially. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just what feels comfortable on me. I feel like it looks the best on me out of any guitar that I've tried so far. And um, I like like the weight of them. Like I really like like heavy guitars that mm-hmm. have like weight to them. I don't like light guitars. So um, I'm probably just because I'm used to it because I played a Gibson for 10 plus years, you know, right. on stage and all that. So it's just comfortable. It's what's comfortable. Yeah. I'm, I'm an ass for some reason I thought, you know, and I just saw the video for negative noise after dinner and, uh, and I was like, I was watching the video and you're obviously playing an eclipse there. I don't know why I, I said Les Paul. I saw another picture of you earlier today with a Les Paul. Same thing, essentially. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just not called that, but same shape. Don't don't tell Gibson that, man. They'll throw a lawsuit your way. <laughs> nah, they'll be all right. <laughs> um, as far as what what uh, effects do you use? Because I'm pointing out negative noise. Obviously, there you're using. You know, I have a pedal that makes a similar noise, but it's called a chopper essentially. And then it sounds like you're using some sort of a a kill switch as well. What exactly are you using for that solo particularly? And what other effects do you usually have? For that solo, what you're probably hearing is like just a lot of like whammy work. It's just like, uh, I use my Digitech whammy a lot for a lot of those like octave, octave dives and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there was some, like some harmonies we threw in there too. We mm-hmm. wanted to make it sound like as glitchy and weird as possible. Right. So like we kind of, we, we did a lot with the whammy. We might've, I think we might've even added some wall in that solo too, when we were tracking it. Mm-hmm. And then also like, um, it's just like, I think that solo basically just is like, uh, has like just delay on it, you know, other than that. Okay. Might have a little phaser on it, but I'm not sure. Um, and then like, you know, there's this, the effects all over the record that a lot of people see like, like the, that crying guitar tone, mm-hmm. um, remind you of corn or whatever. Um, we use like a bunch of pedals to get that one effect, which is really weird, but it's like a univibe, a delay, a reverb, um, a chorus, um, <laughs> and you delay, reverb chorus. I know I'm missing something, but that's basically essentially what they, what we use for that one effect. Um, wow. and it was weird because we, what was hard is when we tracked it, like we used pod farm on the computer mm-hmm. and it has a sine wave, uh, chorus or whatever, but right. you can't find a pedal that has like a sine wave. So it was like for the longest time, we couldn't figure out how to mimic that sound a hundred percent, but we have it pretty close now. We still don't have a sine wave chorus, but <laughs> we have it pretty close. <laughs> you, you brought up a uh, corn right there. Uh, obviously you guys are being, thrown around with the word new metal a lot um for some dumb reason in my opinion 
people bring up the word new metal and it instantly turns a certain percentage of the, you know, quote unquote metal elitists off. Um, it's obvious what your influences are. You just mentioned corn because you do add that effect, but I don't think you guys are, are limited to that at all. Um, does, you know, having the word new metal associated to you guys, does that bother you? Do you guys welcome that? How do you guys look at that? Uh, we're fine with it. I mean, we know, like, you know, all of us are fans of bands from that era. That's when we were, you know, growing up and listening to the most music, getting into the this type style of music, the Linkin mm-hmm. Park, the Corn, the Slipknot, the Mudbanes, all that. Um, they just fit our, you know, we just like those bands best a lot, you know? Right. Um, as far as like the term new metal, I think it's like been tainted because a lot of people just think of like Limbiscuit or something, which right. I love Limbiscuit, but whatever. A lot of people think of Limbiscuit <laughs> when they hear that name. So they're just like, oh, you know, it just completely turns them off. For us at first, we were kind of like, we didn't like that because mm-hmm. it instantly turns people off even before they hear you. You know, they're just like, right. oh, I don't even want to listen. Um, but we started after a while, we realized like we can't, we can't change what people call us, like what the right. press calls us right. and all of that. Like, so we kind of just started looking at it like, Hey, they're talking about us all over the place. <laughs> and if they want to call us new metal, why they're talking about us all over these magazines, like that's whatever, you yeah. know? So yeah. we kind of turned it around and just looked at it like, Hey, they're talking about us. It's fine. Um, and we're, we're, we're okay with it now. It doesn't bother us. Cause we know we're more than that. You know, we mm-hmm. do have a lot of new metal elements, but we have a lot of metal core elements. We have a lot of just, American metal elements, we mm-hmm. have solos. And so there's a lot of different, you know, factions to us that aren't just new metal. Yeah, I agree. And going back to new to, I keep wanting to say new noise. That's, um, damn it. Band out of Sweden. Sorry. Um, refused. Sorry. Uh, no, no, anal just- moment. I had to get that out there. It got stuck in my head and I'm like, all right, until it comes out, it's going to bug me. Negative noise. The first time that the demo was sent to me by your label for Unstable, I'm listening through it. And that song, you know, I get sent so much stuff and I have things on the background continuously. But I heard that song and it was a holy shit moment for me coming back to the solo because that was the first time that I listened to you guys and I said, I need to really pay attention to this because I think that you're soloing add something to the band to make it more than what a lot of people would like to pigeonhole you guys in. Like you said, if people want to pigeonhole you guys into the new metal, um, you know, the, the, that label, they're not paying attention because like you said, not only are the songs tight, but you guys are adding other aspects to different things that wasn't historically there. And I'm not saying that Wes Borland wasn't a great guitarist, because he is He's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but what you're doing has a lot to do with what you mentioned your influences are. I mean, even, even with that solo, um, you have those effects in the beginning, but once you come out of those effects and you just start going off all over the, <laughs> you know, the fretboard, it was like, Whoa, this is something else. Yeah. You know, it's something different. <laughs> So. Yeah, and I and I think that's always what I thought was cool. And for me as a guitar player, and even all of us, we all have like very different influences. Like mm-hmm. me and Ruben, our drummer, are like the heavy ones. We love like you know, we love Slipknot, we love Gojira, we mm-hmm. love 
you know, all those bands. And then like Josh, our singer, he's very much like he grew up on like U2 and Pearl Jam and Green Day is his all time favorite band. Next wow. Metallica. Um, and our bass player is the same. Like he was very much into kind of like me when I was younger too, like Megadeth and, and stuff like that. But he's also very much into like Rise Against and mm-hmm. nothing more and bands like that, like on the, on the rock side. So we have a lot of influence that come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really cool because like as a guitar player, I always want to be kind of versatile too. Like if there's a song where I just need to be a really awesome rhythm player, like I want to do right. that. Or if there's a song where I I can shred a solo, like I want to be able to do that right. or add weird sounds. I want to do that. So like, I want to, you know, that's why I think it's cool. We can't just be boxed in. Like we right. all have like so many different influences that we can bring in and out, you know, to form our own thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, also with this album, was there anything specific that you wanted to go in as far as your playing or a different effect? You just mentioned that, you know, you're allowed that ability to create different noises and stuff. Was there something going in that you felt you had to do with this album that maybe you hadn't done with the first album? Um, not necessarily just more. So we just being confident and trying whatever I wanted to try on guitar, you know, like mm-hmm. for the first album, we, it was the first time we had really like dug into trying certain things like the weird sounds or different tempos or more groove or anything like that. So um, with this album, it was more so we had kind of, we saw that the first one worked mm-hmm. and this one, we kind of just, we had more confidence in doing whatever we wanted to do. So same with me as a guitar player. Like if I wanted to put weird effects all over a song, like, I wasn't intimidated by that. Like I could do it. I wasn't worried about like, Oh, people are going to say this doesn't sound like Tetrarch or, you know, (laughs) same with like solos or adding whammy weird stuff to solos. Like I was Mm -hmm. just very like, I was a lot more confident and a lot more open to trying things, um, which I think is cool. And it worked in in my, and our benefit, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In your opinion, how do you think, you guys have stepped up your game from the first album. Is there something, do you think it sonically sounds better? Do you think the songs are better? Do you think the playing is better from the inside looking outwards? What do you think you guys have made to distinguish the two albums? Um, you know, I really, we all really enjoyed freak the first album and it did a lot for us. You know, like I said, it was definitely an evolutionary period for our band mm-hmm. where we kind of made a transition from being like a thrash metalcore band kind of to, you know, one that was focused on songwriting and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this record, I definitely feel like we stepped up in pretty much all areas, you know, like freak had some great songs on it, but I think this record we were, we wrote better hooks. Like the choruses mm-hmm. are a lot bigger. Um, Dave really kicked ass on the production on this record. Um, playing wise, we had a lot more time in the studio. Like with Freak, we literally were in the studio for maybe a total of like three weeks okay. to get it all done. May- almost a month maybe. But with this record, we literally, we didn't want to limit ourselves to any time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to do everything we wanted to. We were in the studio for like four months. So like oh, wow. four months, pretty much. And we took like maybe a week or two break in the, in the middle of that, but we wanted to like try everything we wanted to try, give ourselves enough room to like, if we hated something, we could sit with it. Or if we, you know, we can, we had, we were flexible. So I think because of that, we were able to step up our game in a lot of different areas. Like I said, we could focus on the songwriting. We could focus on making sure we got the right vocal takes 
um, the right guitar takes, everything like that, I think was pretty much an overall improvement. Okay. And um, did the pandemic come into play with being able to spend four months on this album or was that what you guys intended on doing beforehand? We, it, we planned it beforehand because we started recording this album in October of 2019. Oh, so okay. Way before. We were planning on, re- yeah, we were planning, we finished it in, what was the end of October? We finished in February, 2020. And we were planning on like releasing it in the summer. Obviously that didn't happen because literally like a month later, everything shut down. Right. But we were really glad that it shut down before we announced anything before, you know, we were, so we were able to kind of fill out the pandemic and how we wanted to go about everything. Um, But as far as like the recording and all that, it was finished right before it happened. So we were just kind of able to spend more time figuring out how to, you know, release everything, but Mm -hmm. it didn't affect anything else. What was the internal discussion like with regards to releasing the album? Uh, Did you guys just want to get it out there just to be able to let fans hear it? Um, Do you guys have other stuff that you're already working on that you'd, you'd like to record shortly? I mean, what, what made you guys release this album now? Um, I mean, when we, you know, it was, there was a lot of bands at that time. I think like maybe Trivium, Lamb of God, um, our friends in the band Dead. They had all like kind of released something or planned to release something. And then all of that happened. And you could tell it just kind of like swallowed it up a little bit. It was like right. they could, you couldn't get the most out of the record because you don't know when you could tour. You don't, you know, like no one knew, no one, none of us have gone through a pandemic before, unless you're like 90, you know? So like, (laughs) we were just like, none of us really knew how to take it. Um, but we decided, you know, we were like, okay, this will give us more time. We wanted, we always wanted to get the most out of this record. This record is important. was important to us. Um, so we were like, okay, we'll just lay it out where we'll get the most out of each single as possible. You know, like, when we released I'm Not Right, which I think me and Josh decided, I think like maybe tomorrow or the next day is like a year since we released the first single. But, right. um, you know, we got as much out of that as possible. Like we sent it to metal radio. It went to all the metal outlets and then it crossed over and went to all the active rock stuff. Right. And so we got like crazy streaming numbers on that song. That song carried us like we didn't. We thought, you know, a normal, typical metal song will carry you like a month months and then you go to the next one mm-hmm. that song carried us like eight months like literally it just kept generating stuff like so that was amazing and then after that we put out actually we didn't put out the next one we put out was you never listen in like february right. so basically that like, i'm not right carried us like almost a year you know mm-hmm. just like and that was we didn't expect it to carry us that long but we were glad it did because mm-hmm. with the we wanted the singles and everything to carry us as until we kind of had an idea of when we'd be able to play live. So we knew that in February, okay, announcing the record in April, that should get us to only within a couple months of being able to play a show. Cause we wanted this album cycle to be two years long. And that's basically what it's going to be like two years of touring starting mm-hmm. in the fall. So okay, um, we wanted to make sure we were going to be able to do that before we just dropped it. So we weren't, we weren't rushing. Like we definitely weren't like, Oh, let's hurry up and get it out. We just, <laughs> we wanted to, we spent a lot of time on it. We wanted to get it out the right way. Um, so we were okay with being patient and it, it, it seemed to play work in our benefit. Yeah. I didn't realize that you guys released that song 
that long ago because I think yeah. it it kind of coincided with Napalm announcing you guys signing with them, didn't it? Or around the same time? So we signed with Napalm in like September. Okay. Um, and then we, but we didn't announce the album drop date until, when did we announce it? January? No, February. I think it was February 4th or something like that. That's when we announced when the album was coming out, March, April, May. No, or January. It was somewhere in January, February. <laughs> we announced when the album was coming out. Um, it, but yeah, once we got with Napalm, then we really like discussed like when we wanted to, wanted it to come and all of that. But um, we weren't expecting it. Like the record was already done and we were already making plans. Mm-hmm. And then when we signed with Napalm, it kind of, um, we kind of reorchestrated like the plan for, for the album. Gotcha. Okay. And four singles have come out so far off of the album. Um, did you guys know instantly that these were the songs that you guys were going to go with? Or how did you, did you guys pick the songs? Did the label pick the songs? So what was that process like? Um. So we, like I'm Not Right obviously came out before we were signed to Napalm. So we right. obviously picked that one. We knew we wanted Negative Noise to come mm-hmm. um, as one of them. We were thinking the second song, but then when we got with Napalm and like we started discussing the single orders with them, uh, they wanted to, they were thinking you never listen second because it was a song we could take to radio and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, but we, we basically picked the singles that we wanted and then we went okay. to them and kind of talked with them about what order to put them in, like to release them. Right. But they were our songs we had already picked for singles. Gotcha. Uh, is there a plan to shoot a video for Addicted or the lyric video that came out is what we're going to have from now on? Um, Actually, we have kind of planned that we want to do a video for like pretty much like 70% of this record. So oh, OK, cool. There's a good chance that a video come out, but we have an like we have an idea for that video that um we wouldn't be able to execute until the fall so okay we we might have to wait a little on that one but we do have like more videos coming out before then okay so i'm I'm guessing there's a, a weather related uh theme to that maybe that <laughs> no but you'll just have to wait and see <laughs> okay <laughs> cool um so obviously you guys have input on the videos then as well it isn't something where the label or someone else is telling you guys what the videos need to look like no, we're like a really, really hands-on band and we really, really like to have like control of our creative vision and our mm-hmm. business and our future because it's our career. Um, so while we are all, it's a partnership, you know, with our label and everything and right. working right. with them to pick the right things. Um, we always try to kind of make sure the final say is ours and stuff and stuff like that, because it is, like I said, we look at it like this is our career and, our livelihood, you know, so we mm-hmm. want to live and die by if it <laughs> flops and it's bad, or at least we want it to be like, we, we agreed with it, you know, right. you know, and it was our mistake. Um, but we do make sure that they, you know, us and them are always on the same page, you know, with gotcha. like we discuss it and stuff. So, and, and so far it's, they've agreed with pretty much everything that we've thought. So that's been cool. We're on the same page with everything. Okay. Uh, did you guys have a say in the colored vinyl that came out? The colors that you, that, I mean, I've seen there's like a green that almost looks like a, an oxidated, like penny type color, like oxidated copper. And there was another one that now slips my mind. I wanted, I tried to order 
directly from Napalm. And by the time I got to the one package, it was sold out. Uh, I think it was like a splattered effect, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. So, there, yeah, there was a we had a couple. We had like a revolver white one. OK. Uh, Napalm did like a different color splatter one. Yeah. We had a black and red one. Okay. We had a just a black a regular one. We had a we had a few, but they did send us over like options and color patterns and stuff. Oh, cool. Uh when we were deciding and like let us kind of pick what we liked. Cool. Yeah. Um here in Europe it was only three colors. It was the black, the green, and and one of the splatters. And uh, unfortunately, I had to purchase it from someone else because they were killing me on shipping. The shipping was almost as much as the album. I'm like, come on. I- yeah, that's that could be the bad. The shipping kind of gets you sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. there's there's another big like metal site here in Europe that uh, their shipping is only like about six bucks. So I had to oh, go nice. that route. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so um, we talked before about your initial influences. Who influences you in 2021 as a player? You know, I'm still really influenced by the same <laughs> guys that I was as a kid. I'm not okay. going to even lie to you. Um, you know, as far as like new wave metal stuff, like I love like Gojira, you know, okay. Joe and Christian, like they really like, I love their playing as far as like right hand percussive stuff. Mm-hmm. I just think it's awesome. Um but for the most part, like I said, I'm still like, I still love Alexi Leho. I still love, you know, <laughs> um, like I said, Dimebag. I still love Dave Mustaine. Like I still love Zach Wild. I love, I love, and there's just not a lot of players like that anymore to mm-hmm. where they are. There are phenomenal, like the guitar players around today, like you can look on YouTube and there are better guitar players than there ever been technically. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like guitar players being like having like, this like larger than life charisma, like they I right. feel like those guitar heroes, like they had, you know, back then you don't find those much anymore. Like a lot of bands, like you don't even know the guitar player's name mm-hmm. up there. And so it, that was a big thing for me and being inspired to be a guitarist is those guitar players that you go to the show to, to see the band, to see the singer, but you also want to see the guitar player. Like people mm-hmm. go to the show to see Dimebag too, when they went to see Pantera, you know right. what I'm saying? And so um, that was a big thing for me. Um, so Today, you know, like I said, there's amazing players, but there's it's hard for me to think of a lot off the top of my head that I'm like, man, they really, you know, make my head spin like, you know, those guys did, you know, at that time. So and that's no not because, like I said, a lot of them are just amazing players. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't even deny that. But as far as just like that guitar hero type feeling. Right. um, I feel like there's not as many. Do you aspire to be one of those guitar heroes? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like I, that is just like always the type of guitar player that I've wanted to be. I've never wanted to be just like a musician in the background or Mm -hmm. like, you know, anything like that. I've always wanted to be like that, you know, where people come to a show and they, you know, they want to see the guitar player too. They know my name and all of that kind of stuff. And not in like a conceited way where I'm like, I want to be, you know, popular, but just, you know, I just, I love that aspect of, you know, those guitar players that made kids want to play guitar, you know, mm-hmm. they inspired kids to want to pick up an instrument. And I just think it was super cool. Okay. Um, if you were able to go out on tour with anyone after, well, you guys are going out and touring the fall, you just mentioned. Um, but if you were able to put together, let's say a, a dream bill for you with mm-hmm. you guys playing with a band that still exists 
and a band that no longer exists, what bands would be playing with you guys? Bands that exist and bands no longer. So I'm going to preface this by saying that, you know, we've always had like very lofty goals and our biggest goal in the world is to become like headliners. You know, we want to be, right. um, you know, we want to be one of the biggest bands in our genre in the world at some point. Like that's just always been our goal. And, you know, some people think might take it the wrong way, but uh, it doesn't bother me. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so really when it comes to touring, obviously we're okay to tour with any band that is necessary for us to get to that point that elevates mm-hmm. us and moves us forward. But like, if I had, you know, just for fun's sake, if I had to pick band that doesn't exist and a band that exists, um, exists would be Metallica. I mean, <laughs> um, and a band that does not exist anymore. That's really tough. I mean, wow. It, that's oh, which it made me realize like most of my bands that most bands that I love are still around so that's pretty good I'm doing pretty good <laughs> um, but I mean I guess maybe I'll pick like a Pantera or something like that I think that'd be super cool okay uh, popular answer when I ask that usually I'll, I'll be honest it's usually always Pantera or Led Zeppelin for some reason and I'm just not a huge Led Zeppelin fan so Pantera for sure <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I, I love them as musicians. I think they're amazing musicians, but I've never been like super huge in the Led Zeppelin, but you know, maybe it'll come with age, the more age, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Um, the tour that you guys are going out on, can you say who you guys are going out with? Not yet. I won't, okay. I probably won't be able to for another month or two, but um, it should be a good one. So. Okay, cool. Uh, what does the rest of the year hold for the band then that tours there are there any other plans you also mentioned the shooting of the video mm-hmm. um so next month we are doing like a couple shows with chevelle seven dust fever 3c3 and like a couple others okay um here in chicago and also in wisconsin so we're doing two shows there uh we're gonna be shooting a few videos obviously so those will come out like intermittently throughout it all mm-hmm. then we just in the fall we start touring a good bit like we have a couple we have we've already confirmed one working on a few others and mm-hmm. then that touring basically like i said from the fall and hopefully in the next year and a half to two years it'll just be um we'll do like a lot of american touring through next year and then we'll go overseas after that so hopefully just a lot a lot of touring after that but um we're still kind of like putting everything together but it seems like it's going to be pretty busy for us cool um, where should people go to keep up with you and the band? Um, they can find us anywhere. You type in Tetrarch on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you'll find us. There's not many other Tetrarchs. You might see a racehorse or a tank or something, but <laughs> you'll know the difference between us and that. Um, or you can do tetrarchmusic.com. That's our official website where we have like all of our tour dates and merch and everything like that, but we stay pretty active on our socials. So okay. type in our name, YouTube, anything you'll be able to find us. Thank you for listening to the Mars attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 